Welcome to Kiss of Life. I'm Jill Hoy, and this is my true, unscripted story about how a wonderful but unexpected kiss, combined with an unwavering faith in the guidance of my heart, takes me away from my seemingly perfect and fabulous life to begin an amazing spiritual journey on the other side of the world. So, here we are, episode four. I do hope that you're enjoying the story so far. Um, I have so much to tell you. So, having found Varun, my amazing, amazing yoga teacher, I started to practice yoga much more regularly and much more seriously. And I was really starting to get super curious and really wanting to learn more. And uh, it was around this time that everyone suddenly started, seemed to suddenly start asking me um, about my yoga and asked me, have you done a class with Yogi Churu? So um, I must be honest, I found it a bit annoying. So all the time, every time when somebody said, oh, I hear you've taken up yoga, like, are you enjoying it? Have you done a class with Yogi Churu yet? Oh, why not? Oh, you should do. Oh, he's a really great teacher. And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, who the hell is this Yogi Churu? Anyway, uh, and he was even the private teacher to one of my very good friends that I used to sometimes go hiking with in the morning. And he even lived next door to my Yoga Nidra meditation teacher, Yoga Nidhi Francis, who I was doing classes with at least twice a week in my lunch hour. And even she was asking me, have you done a class with Yogi Churu yet? Oh, no, well, you should. Anyway, Everyone was asking me about Yogi Churu, but interestingly enough, and I'm, I really don't know why, but interesting enough, I just never thought to find out more about uh, this Yogi Churu. However, little did I know, but um, anyway, so I was really at that time taking my happiness into my own hands. Um, I had a very good understanding with Gordon um, we were definitely very good partners and friends. Um, I don't know about the marriage bit, but we were definitely good friends. And I began also taking Chinese lessons uh, in the mornings with my super, super patient teacher, Dawn. I used to do lessons for 45 minutes every morning at Starbucks uh, in Central on the way to my office because I had also started a jewelry design company with um, my lovely friend, Shagun, and if you don't remember, she's the one that gave me the really heavy book, which I still had next to my bed and I still had not read. Um, and uh, we started a jewelry company together called Mantra. Anyway, so I was keeping myself very busy and, uh, and actually really enjoying my life. So uh, I was happy. Um, but Clearly, my subconscious mind and my heart were trying to tell me something. Um, for years, I had, I, I, I had never really cried, uh, even though, oh gosh, even though my heart had been stabbed, burned and broken, I somehow just kind of kept swallowing it all and just kept going on with a big smile and a brave heart. And I never told my friends anything about my marriage. Uh, it was super private as far as I was concerned, and it was off limits for discussion. And 
even when some of my really lovely, well-meaning friends tried to broach the subject of my marriage, my happiness, and Gordon's infidelities, um, I would immediately just brush them off with that big smile and just and just change the subject. And I, that's how I kind of kept my head above the water. And after a while, it just became habit, and I guess I just kind of, um, I just got used to it. Anyway, around this time, uh, I had a lot of throat issues. I had a lot of swollen glands, um, a lot of sore throats, and uh, which were at times so intensely painful, uh, I could barely swallow. And anyway, so uh, one day, my teacher Varun, um, my lovely teacher Varun, gentle, lovely Varun, uh, one day said to me after having missed a couple of classes because of my throat issues, um, he said to me after class. Jill, you need to start speaking the truth. And that was all he said. And I remember getting into my car and feeling really quite annoyed with him, thinking, wow, Varun is somehow trying to tell me that I, I'm not telling the truth. I mean, what is he trying to say? And at that time, I really didn't understand or realize what he was trying to say to me and what he meant. Anyway, I remember it was around February, it was around Chinese New Year time, um, that I had a, another really bad case of this sort of tonsillitis. And this time I actually had to go to hospital and I could barely even open my mouth. And every time I swallowed, it was excruciatingly painful on my ears. Oh my God, it was just, it was awful. It was so painful. And uh, it turns out I had tonsillitis quinsy, which basically means that my tonsils had gone septic, which is actually quite dangerous, apparently. Um, and they couldn't operate until the swelling had gone down. So I had like antibiotics going into both arms. I have maximum dose. Um, oh, it was awful. I, I just couldn't swallow. But the most amazing part was, I guess, out of this awful situation, was that they put me on a, because I was in so much pain, that I was on a self-administered, like, line of morphine. <laughs> and, um, oh, my God, how wonderful was that? Uh, it just the most amazing feeling. I mean, I know this is a terrible thing to say, but um, probably shouldn't be saying this, but I could totally understand um, how people be could become addicted to it because, oh my God, it's just uh, heavenly. You just feel like you're floating on cotton wool and it's just so, everything's really super dreamy and amazing. Anyway, um, so I, I remember I got quite nervous sort of like halfway through. I was in the hospital for a week and on this morphine and I remember halfway through saying, you've got to take this thing away because I'm worried I'm going to get addicted to it because it was just unbelievable. Anyway, um, so I was on this morphine and I actually remember my friends, my really good friends coming to see me and standing at the end of my bed and just laughing their heads off at me. And they were laughing because, and they were saying, oh, this is the first time that they could talk as much as they wanted and they could, they could say what they liked and they wouldn't be interrupted and I couldn't answer them back. And, um, it was, it was impossible to answer. It was impossible to even make a sound. And there they were, they were like laughing their heads off at the end of my bed. I was in complete agony, but I do remember my response really well. And I remember my two hands working perfectly, making the gestures with my fingers going, fuck off. <laughs> anyway, 
So I came out of hospital and I think it was probably around March time that our our banker, who's this super glamorous lady, Esther here, who was head of our bank, um, invited Gordon and I to go to her house one Saturday night for dinner. And when we arrived, uh, I saw the seating plan and I saw that I was going to be sitting next to um, a man called Nick Lou, who is around my age, and super handsome, very, um, very dapper and, and kind of looked kind of a little bit like Tom Ford. I mean, that very kind of um, handsome, uh, super elegant. He was very elegant. Anyway, so, um, but I, I, I kind of panicked because although I'd known Nick for many years, because he's friends with some very good friends of mine, um, we'd never actually ever had a conversation. And I think that the only time I ever really used to see him was in Hong Kong, uh, sitting on the back of a boat or whatever. He'd be sitting on the back of our friend's boat and and I would just sort of wave at him and nod and whatever as we were going by in our jet boat or whatever on our way to the beach with the children. and um, Or I'd see him on the beach walking his dog and again, you know, just have the formalities. Um, you know, hello, how are you? Um, but never have a conversation. So as soon as I saw her sitting next to him, I was thinking, oh my God, what am I going to talk to him about? Yikes. Um so anyway, so uh, um, we sat down and, you know, I said, hello, Nick, how are you? We did the pleasantries and, and uh, just sort of carried on and then just sort of carried on chatting with the people around us. But then um, I guess it was about halfway through the dinner. He suddenly turns to me when there was sort of like when he I wasn't talking to anybody and neither was he. He suddenly turned to me and placed his hand on my arm and said, Jill, you need to go to Bali. You need to go to Como Shambhala in Ubud. It will completely change your life. Please go. Please, please go. You'll absolutely love it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? Um, and, and then he just kind of turned to the person on the other side of him and just casually continued chatting and didn't really speak to me again for the rest of the dinner. Um, interestingly enough, I've never seen Nick again in, in all these years, I used to see him quite regularly, although we never used to really speak. It's a very strange relationship. Um, if, uh, but, but I've never seen him since, which is very strange. Anyway, um, um, so, so anyway, so, so he tells me, he, he turns to the other person and continues chatting and I was kind of stunned. So in all these years, about 20 years, I'd never had a conversation with this man. And here he is recommending a hotel to me with the kind of insistency that meant that I, I just couldn't dismiss it. I was like, you know, he never says anything to me. So this must be somehow important. Anyway, so I'm talking to Gordon on the way home in the car and I'm like, oh, it's really weird. Nick, Nick Lou didn't say anything to me all the way through dinner. Suddenly recommended this hotel to me and told me I should go. Anyway, so we chatted about it and whatever. And then the next morning though, I was so curious, I decided to look it up. So I looked it up on the, uh, I looked up their website and, um, and it was, wow, what a beautiful hotel. I mean, gorgeous, you know, like with all, um, it's a spa and, oh, just incredible. Just a very, uh, like a, an oasis in the middle of the jungle up in the hills in a bud. And, and, and that was that. And then, I guess it was a couple of weeks later, 
Um, and I remember it was it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday, and I woke up early. And I'm always an early riser. Uh, Gordon is a late riser, so I, I never used to wake Gordon in the morning. Um, but I woke up early, and this morning I I actually woke up Gordon. I remember sitting in bed, and I was crying, which is very unusual for me because I, as I said, I never really used to cry. And um, I told Gordon that I was really unhappy, and and I I didn't know why. And I remember saying to him, you know, but please, I remember crying and, and, and saying to him, but please promise me that you'll support me the way that I've supported you. And please, please don't let this be a midlife crisis. Don't let me have a midlife, midlife crisis. Please, please help me. And I remember Gordon very calmly, very, very kindly, because he, he was kind, um, saying to me, Jill, why don't you go to that hotel? Why don't you take the time that you need, but promise me you'll come back to me. So I booked the hotel that Nick Lou recommended, and oh my goodness, it was absolutely incredible. I went for five days by myself to, to Como Shambhala in Abud. Um, it's up in the hills, in the jungle. It's not by the beach. Um, and it's a stunning Christina Ong, Ong hotel, and it's just absolutely incredible. Anyway, um, they assign you, when you arrive, they assign you a butler who takes you to your villa, um, and um, you have a golf cart, which he picks you up in and drives you around the compound on the, the, the estate. And um, I remember my butler was called Waddy. I still remember his name. And he was this amazing man that just seemed to kind of like appear out of nowhere. And he would take me from one exercise activity or a spa appointment, um, you know, to the next. And I never needed to use a watch or, or, or look at a clock. He was he was absolutely my timekeeper. I, I don't know how he did it. But he would bring my tea in the morning and he would just find me wherever I was. And whenever I needed to go to my next appointment, he was just kind of there. He would just like appear. Anyway, super gentle. Um, and um, I did yoga. I did Pilates. I did Tai Chi. I did lots of different things. I signed up for everything. I thought, you know, I'm going for five days. I'm going by myself. I just want to experience everything here. So, and I even signed up for a private um, uh, activity, which was to climb the um, volcano, the Mount Bata, uh, which I did with a private guide at four o'clock in the morning in the dark, which was like um, with just a torch on my head, um, and um, which was amazing. Climbed up to the top of the volcano, watched the sunrise, which was amazing. We had hot tea and um, delicious toasted banana sandwiches. It was like, oh, I still remember it now. And uh, and then we came back down the, the um, Mount Bata, which I have to say, when I came down, it wasn't until I came down that I realized, wow, how much I'd done like in the dark, um, how high it was. Anyway, and then... Um, jumped on a mountain bike and we did the 25 kilometers all the way back to the hotel on the mountain bike which was just lovely going through the villages and um through the rice fields and everything it was really really lovely and um and every activity every every massage I had a massage every day and every activity every massage and all of the meals which i ordered were completely tailor made for me according to my blood type um and the intention which i had set so before i went they asked me they said you know 
how would you like your experience to be? Would you like, you know, are you in recovery from addiction? Are you, um, are you uh, wanting to do fitness? Are you wanting to relax? Are you wanting to just simply enjoy um, being in the spa and just enjoy the hotel? Um, so they asked me all these different questions and then they said, um, in order to really fine tune your your diet and everything, we like to to do we like to work with your blood. So can you tell us what your blood type is, and, and would you be able to go to the doctor and and do all this blood work for us, so we can do all this you know blood work? So anyway, so I did all of that. So they and and funny enough, I discovered even though I'm already a um, although I'm already um, I was already a vegetarian. I discovered that actually my blood type was blood type A and um, I should be a vegetarian. So that was kind of interesting for me. So, um, and everything, all the food that I ordered. So, for example, if I ordered a dish um, and I'm blood type A and you ordered a dish and you're blood type O, our dish, our, our, our dishes would look exactly the same, but they would tailor make our dishes according to our blood type. So there would be different ingredients in there, but it would look exactly the same. I was just amazing. So anyway, but you would never know. So I was just an amazing five days. Anyway, so they encouraged you to do this beautiful nature walk around the parameter of the estate in the mornings. And, um, and it was actually on my walk on a really early morning, as I was descending down these very steep steps to go down to the river to begin the walk around the estate, that I suddenly was like stopped in my tracks and I had this eureka moment. And um, I suddenly realized I wanted to be a yoga teacher. And I didn't know how or when or, or, or I, I had no idea how it was all going to happen, but I was so certain that this was my calling. And it was like having a head um, on each shoulder and and one head was telling me, oh, don't be so ridiculous, but you know, you, you've only just started yoga. How could you ever be a teacher? You know, you're not even that flexible, blah, blah, blah. You don't know how to do half the postures. You know, don't be so ridiculous. And then the other head was saying, no, go for it, do it. And it was really so clear as if there were two people talking over my shoulders. Uh, it was very, very extraordinary. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a yoga teacher. And anyway, after my five days, I went back to Hong Kong and I felt really uplifted, really positive and kind of recharged and back on track again. And uh, I didn't tell, I don't think I told anybody about my mini sort of revelation. I think I kept that uh, to myself. But I went back feeling really super positive and thinking, yeah, I'm back on track again. But just a few months later, in, in the same year, I had no idea that my, my whole entire life was about to change. So Gordon and I were invited to this very big party, which wasn't in Hong Kong. It was actually in Europe, and we had traveled for it. And we were staying in a hotel, a very nice hotel, and we were there with, with everybody that was going to the party. And at this time, uh, my mother was very ill in hospital. And um, I had already seen her a couple of weeks before and spent some time with her in the hospital um, before coming you know, to the party. Um, but suddenly there was a question that she might actually need 
another immediate life-changing operation. And I remember it was the afternoon, and I had just heard the news by telephone from one of my sisters. And I had gone back up to the room, to our bedroom, to talk to Gordon, who was up uh, in the room at the desk doing some work on his computer. And and I, I went into the room and I said to him, you know, can I just have a moment with you? And... Um, to ask him if he thought I should leave it kind of immediately and and take the relatively short flight uh, to be with her and then return the next day. Um, but there were like these gale force winds being forecasted and uh, already um, the captain of our private plane, which we'd arrived on, said that he thought it would be actually very unwise as there would be a very good chance I'd be unable to return uh, as I hoped, because apparently the local airport uh, was going to be closed, and so there'd be no chance of even taking a commercial flight back if we were if I was unable to return on the private plane. So, anyway, so as I was talking this all through with Gordon, um, who had his back to me, sitting at the desk throughout the whole conversation, um, and I was completely calm, but my mind was obviously racing considering all these dire consequences um, of the situation and the dilemma that I was in and I kind of realized as I was talking to him in this very sort of serious moment uh, where I really needed him to be present and have his attention that he was looking at photographs on his computer um, of a recent photo shoot that he had taken for his business and he was looking at all these photographs, which were of the girl, which I immediately registered as being, you know, obviously his current girlfriend. And I realized at that moment, he wasn't really listening to me at all, that his mind was completely elsewhere. He was too busy looking at photos of her. And I think it was in that exact moment when I really, really needed him to support me, to be present I just kind of very calmly acknowledged exactly just how damaged our marriage was um, and that he didn't he didn't really care what I did he didn't care whether I was there with him or not he was just totally disinterested and just simply going through the motions he was like just do whatever you want do whatever you think's right which was really um, not very helpful so anyway I just quietly um, was digesting everything and digesting the fact that even if I had wanted to go and be with my mother, I couldn't. It just wasn't physically possible. So I decided to myself, well, you know what, Gordon's just not interested. And 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 I felt so sad and so heavy. And um, yeah, my heart was really heavy. I, I remember feeling very sad. But I decided to myself, you know what, I'm just going to have a few drinks. I'm going to have a good time and I'm just going to enjoy the moment. If, if only for myself, I'm going to have a good time with everybody. I'm going to, ha I'm, I'm, uh, if only for myself. So, and it was, and I did, we went to the party, we went, and which was, which was in the hotel. And I guess it was more or less towards the end of the party. 
And uh, I had danced a lot with that. I danced with everybody. I danced a lot. Oh, my God, I drank quite a bit. I mean, I drank wine and mixed it with like tequila shots and, and Sambuca shots. And I hate Sambuca. And um, yeah, I mean, like I had really had a lot of fun by myself. And I, I think Gordon was either outside smoking with his friends or on his phone or whatever. Um, and I was just having a really good time dancing. I think I was dancing by myself at that stage. Um, and it was at that time that a very special friend, a super handsome, wonderful um, special friend who I've known for, who I'd known for, for, for some years, um, was suddenly on the dance floor in front of me and um, and was dancing with me. And I remember we were laughing and having fun and whatever, just dancing around. And, and then he suddenly took my hand and said, uh, come with me. And I didn't really think twice about it. I mean, we knew each other well and, and we always had a lot of fun together. And so I, I took his hand and I, and I followed him uh, away from the dance floor to, to behind like a dividing wall in the corner of the ballroom where the party was, where all the ballroom chairs were like stacked up. And I do remember as we were crossing the room, I do remember thinking, where on earth are we going? And then suddenly we're behind the dividing wall with all the ballroom chairs and he suddenly kisses me full on which not only was totally unexpected but also with with like such a force that i i actually fell over backwards and i remember lying on the carpet i remember it now so well lying on the carpet laughing a lot having had way way too much to drink and saying to him oh wow talk about knocking a girl off her feet um and just laughing, but then I I jumped back up and and without a moment's hesitation, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, like you know, like what are you doing? And 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 I kissed him right back. I mean, he was absolutely <sighs> he was my dream come true. And it was absolutely the most amazing, most unforgettable, best kiss of my life. And in that moment, in a heartbeat, it just changed everything. He changed everything. It was my kiss of life. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something in my story that maybe made you take a pause, or perhaps sparked your interest, or just simply inspired you to follow your heart. If you did, then please give Kiss of Life a like and a follow. And of course, don't forget to tell all of your friends. That would be amazing. Sending you all love and light. Thank you. This podcast was edited and hosted by Ivan Gluckman, with music by Lucas Hoy, original artwork by Chandre Bouchot, true and unscripted storytelling by Jill Hoy, with direction from me, Matt Penman.